Listening Dog Media. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. And Spain have won the World Cup. I'm Helen Hardy, and as you can probably hear, I'm here inside Stadium Australia in Sydney, which has been England's home ground for three games in a row now. But on the night, it just wasn't meant to be for England, with Spain walking away 1-0 winners in the 90 minutes. Looking out, with Shakira playing in the background, the Spain fans and the Spain players are going absolutely crazy. They've been celebrating over by their family and friends, being handed Spain flags, wrapping it around one another. Alexia Puteles have been crying almost since the full-time whistle, hugging Jenny Hermoso, looking over the England players. They're just solemnly stood right by the goal in front of me here, looking out upon the Spain players and family celebrating with one another, and a lot of them in tears, knowing that they were so close to the first World Cup win for an England side. It's been an incredible afternoon, incredible evening, an incredible tournament. It's been an incredible build-up this afternoon. At around 4 p.m. this afternoon, the party started four hours before kickoff, and everyone piled into the stadium. A sellout, by the way, for an amazing free show. 75,000 people watching what was an incredible performance before the kickoff. It was a mixed crowd with a lot of travelling England fans. Again, a lot of those Aussies supporting Spain and then some Spain fans over on the far side. And it's been tense. It was quite quiet for the first 30, 40 minutes, which I think kind of made sense with the sort of play that both teams have, passing out from the back. It was a very, very tense opening opening part of the game. But Spain went on to score 1-0 and unfortunately for England, they just could not find a way back into the game. Spain deserved winners in the end. And I think the overriding feeling right now is how iconic and important this World Cup final and this World Cup has been for women and women's football. 
it's been a true game changer for women everywhere. Now, let's go and hear from those players. Aitana Bonmati, player of the tournament. It's amazing. I have no words to describe this moment. It's a unique moment. Me and all of my teammates, we have been doing well in our clubs. Three, four years ago, we have been win, winning Champions League with the club. I think we have been uh, growing a, a lot as a, play, as, a, as a players, and we are prepared to beat uh, anyone. Lucy Bronze. Uh, just deflated. Um, yeah, obviously we wanted to come to the World Cup to, to, to win it and we were so close. Uh, but in the end, we just couldn't quite get it over the line. I think in the first half, maybe, uh, they pulled us out of position. Um, and yeah, I think that's how they got the goal. But in the second half, we come out, changed our formation. Uh, probably should have scored at the back post. Uh, potentially Spain could have gone down to 10 men at one point as well, which didn't really go in our, our favour either. Um, so yeah, I think, and then the second half there was parts of the game where you know we held on to the possession, and then you know the last ten minutes was just you know pushing with everything we had. So I think I'm proud of what the the girls have achieved, what we've achieved. Um, but I think everybody knows me, knows that I only like gold medals. Alexia Puteas, two-time Ballon d'Or winner. My sister sent me a message a couple of days ago saying, I still remember when you told me many years ago that you wanted to win the World Cup with the national team. I'm happy that's what has happened today. All the players that have been before me, I've been here for 10 years, everyone that I've shared a dressing room with, that have lived through a lot of things that I wish they never had to live through. I hope that this win belongs to them too. This is a very important strategic moment for us. This is the moment to take a step forward. Other countries have given their teams a lot of support. With the league, we need to see a change. I hope it happens because we've shown that Spanish footballers are the best in the world. Salma Parayuelo, young player of the tournament. Women's football is on the up and no one here is going to stop it. It happens with actions, not with words. And that's what we're doing. They have to make way for us. And with these small things, we're given more than enough reasons for it to keep driving forward and for us to be where we deserve to be. Georgia Stanway. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, Obviously, it's just gutting, it's devastating, um, but that's football. Um, the way we played in the first half was not England standard. Um, and then the second half, I thought we were really good. We put them under enormous amounts of pressure. Um, but yeah, we were just unlucky towards the end not to get something. Um, but I think we can be proud. We're the Lionesses and we're not done yet. Um, yeah, we've still got many years in my career and I'm sure that one day this will be gold. Bethany England. Yeah, obviously it's sad. Um, a lot of emotions. We've come so far. It's been we've been together what nine weeks now on the road, and I think everyone can hold their heads high. I think we've gave everything. Um, unfortunately, we fell at the last hurdle, um, but ultimately, I think everyone should be more than proud of themselves for what they've achieved. We've made history already. Um, hopefully, we've continued to inspire the nation. And yeah, just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that supported us along the way.
Those must have been really tough interviews to do, probably the most difficult in these Lionesses' lives, but great to hear from some of the players there. I'm Lindsay Hooper here. I've been watching at Box Park in Wembley, and the atmosphere, of course, before kickoff was full to bursting. I mean, these venues, they sold out within eight minutes of tickets going on sale, such has been the appetite for women's football in this World Cup. And there was a lot of expectation, including from myself, a lot of confidence, actually. I'd been confident coming into this final. Um, but, of course, the result hasn't gone the way that we wanted. Um, I think it's important to say that a lot of the fans leaving here, yes, they're dejected, but they're also hopeful. I think they've seen enough from these Lionesses to think there is more to come and there will be another World Cup final. I think we all hold on to that. What I did do was catch up with some of the original Lionesses from 1972 and you go back and you see that journey and rise, what an incredible one it's been. These were some of the players from that generation's thoughts. Maggie Pierce, right back from the original 1972 squad. Um, I'm absolutely gutted for them today, but they've done us proud to get to the final and they've been so resilient and been together all the way through and I'm just disappointed for them. Uh, Janet Bagley, uh, as Maggie said, absolutely gutted for him. I played midfield. Uh, the atmosphere in the box office there was absolutely fantastic. Uh, really had a fabulous time. It'll come. You know, one year we will win the World Cup. We've got to. My name's Jeannie. I played left winger for the same team, 1972, and I'm absolutely flabbergasted. I'm emotional. I... Uh, this is what England wanted. I mean, OK, we're second place, but it doesn't count. Only the first place counts. But I take my hat off to all the girls, to the trainer, assistant trainer, medical staff, everybody, all parts of the jigsaw puzzle. Just didn't fit quite right today, but we're proud of them. Those were some of the original Lionesses from 1972. They were in here at Box Park with T-shirts on stating who they were on the back and they'd been swarmed by people wanting to know their stories, as you'd rightly imagine. And now the DJ inside, I'm just sat outside of the venue, has got the hardest job, I think, right now on this Sunday because they've got to try and gear up all of this crowd who are just feeling so sad. So, so much hope that was diminished in that game in the second half. So um, I'll try try and do the party thing but it's going to be tough girls well the nation was behind them thanks Lindsay. well look to break it all down i'm here with world cup bronze medalist jade moore who featured in the last two world cups for england before joining atletico madrid hi to you jade hi kate and Natasha Dowie, the two-time WSL champion and ex-England player who's played at top clubs across six different countries. Hi, Tash. Hey, Kate. Let's get some quickfire reactions from you emotionally. How are you feeling, Jade? Gutted, Kate. Obviously, it was just that one game too far for England today. Obviously, Spain was deserved winners. It all just got a little bit too far away from England that they couldn't claw back. As much as losing hurts, though, a silver isn't anything to be ashamed of and these girls can hold their head high. Yeah, I thought this was the year. Uh, I was more confident than ever. Really thought they were going to bring it home for us. But the girls can be so proud with what they've achieved. And I think if we're all being honest, Spain were the better team on the day and deserve to win the game. All right, well, we'll dive into that in a few moments' time. Later in the show, we'll be hearing from two women uh, who played uh, at England's first official appearance at a World Cup. That was back in 1995. And we're going to hear from the Spanish journalist Bia Redondo too. But first, let's get stuck in. 
So Lauren Hemp hit the crossbar early on, but the decisive goal came 29 minutes in from Spain's Olga Carmona. A switch of play from Onya Badje, an overload on the left, and Mariana Caldente set up Carmona, who finished in the far corner. Uh, Spain was set to make it two after Kira Walsh gave away a penalty for a handball. Jenny Hermoso stepped up, but Mary Earps saved it. Cries of Hail Mary! rung around England. 13 minutes of added time, but Spain held firm to lift their first ever World Cup trophy in front of the 75,000 strong crowd. I want your opinions on this then, both of you, and we'll spend some time analysing because it's it's important to break down this game and, of course, to move the conversation forward as well. Uh, to you, first of all, Tash, what made Spain so good and why did England fall short? I think if Spain were going to win this World Cup, which they have, I knew they had to play out of their skin because actually on paper and in form, I thought England were were going to be the better team. But Spain, for me, the thing that impressed me more than anything was their press and actually their defensive work from from the front all the way through to the back. Didn't give England any time on the ball, you know, hustled them hard from the beginning. But also then we know how Spain play. And the bravery that they show today to play out of tight areas. At times, I was holding my breath with how brave they were. You know, they just have so much confidence, you know, in playing out from the back under high presses. The little triangles and the one-two touch football that we saw, in my opinion, it was some of the best football that I've seen this World Cup. And at times, England really couldn't get anywhere near them. And I think that's why Wiegmann did change it to the 4-3-3 in the second half. Because I said before the game that this game was going to be won in the midfield. And I actually think Spain dominated the midfield area. And I think that was the big difference today. Yeah, that midfield of Aitana Bonmati, Mariana Caldente and Jenny Hermoso just moved the ball so well. They were so strong. Spain was so comfortable on the ball as well, Jade. And they were very happy to stay on it, frustrating England. Yeah, and that's what this Spanish side do. That's what all Spanish sides do, to be fair. They're, they're a possession-based team. And what's really difficult is when you're an English team that wants to possess the ball and has to understand that England knew they had to suffer possession. But when you then have the space to go and exploit a team like Japan did against this Spanish team, that space wasn't available today. And that's what I think Spain did so well against this England team is they didn't allow the space for a counter-attack and they did keep the ball. And what then allowed um, this Spanish team to get such a good foothold was they enjoy the ball. And they, they tired England out in the, in the sense of manoeuvring the ball. And then when England started to get a little bit frustrated, they exploited the spaces in behind and hurt us. So it stopped mm-hmm. us from wanting to go forward so much. We were more cautious about what, what space we was leaving behind. And with that then becomes that little bit of added pressure of not wanting to make a mistake. And I think that's where they um, really t- sort of turned the screw today in this game. And, and that's where the momentum shift happened for me. It was that space, wasn't it, Tash, left by Lucy Bronze that led to the first goal from Carmona. Just as a quick aside, I had a very nice weekend in Carmona near Seville in Spain a few months ago. Now I'm feeling like it was a horrible omen indeed. Uh, Anyway, let's talk about that, uh, Lucy Bronze leaving space for Spain to exploit. Yeah, and this is the difference at this top level. You know, one mistake, you can get punished. And that one mistake that Lucy Bronze made ended up leading to Spain getting the goal. Now she's dribbling across the pitch. She has to release the ball quicker. So loses the ball in in the wrong area. And then there's that space down our right-hand side that's wide open. 
Then I think the second mistake, in my opinion, was Jess Carter. She steps out, you know, and you can see that Russo struggling to obviously stay with the runner who was Carmona. So in my opinion, Jess Carter needs to stay, hold, you know, and for me, then let the girl have the shot from distance. But instead, she steps, then Carmona gets slipped in, Russo can't track back. And then to be honest, the finish is inch perfect. I mean, it's side netting, Mary Earps is full stretch. There's nothing she can do. But these are world-class players that will punish you, you know, in split seconds. And that was the one moment they got and they took it. Yeah, it basically needs to be an inch-perfect shot to get past Mary Earps. We've seen such outstanding goalkeeping from her this tournament. And so it proved to be. Possession in the first half, 66%. Uh, Spain, 34%. England, Jade. Uh, it did weight uh, more more heavily in England's favour in the second half, although Spain still had the majority. What were your thoughts in that second half? Because obviously it did lead to a big call, a bold call, uh, a couple of changes at halftime from Serena Wiegmann. But where were you most concerned in the first half? I think our midfield, like Tash has said, um, that, that midfield wasn't winning the battle. Um, it was getting stretched. We were too slow in, in and out of possession. When you play against a team like Spain that like to pick up pockets and move the ball quickly, you have to be able to, you know, get out aggressively and put pressure on and force them into areas that you know you're comfortable defending in. And what I thought Spain did today is they dragged us out of shape. They dragged us and then hurt us behind, you know, the the spaces that we left um, to then try and put pressure on. And what we did as well that was really ineffective, in my opinion, was we gave them too much respect when they had the ball. So we stood off them a lot. And a little bit like what Tash is saying about that Jess Carter moment, if she'd have flew out and got tight to um, the girl that ends up giving the um, the layoff for the shot. For Kimona. For Kimona, yeah. So, so those moments are where you stand off and give a little bit too much um, time for them because you're scared of what they potentially could do if you do get too tight, sometimes can hurt you on the flip side. And that's what Spain, are re- they, they did really well today. They allowed to bring players on and then exploit the spaces that obviously England left for them to um, obviously punish us. Carmona lifted up her shirt and uh, her top underneath said Merchi, which is that Spanish for merchandise? I haven't quite got to the bottom of this yet. I think it was about something about one of her best friends. I think it was something to do with either best friend had lost a relative or maybe something had happened yeah, to her best friend. So I think it was something to do with that. Uh, there was another chance for Spain, Paraluelo, just before half time. But at half time, a bold call for Serena Wiegmann. Tash, you called this actually, didn't you, in our half time team talk chat as we were trying to console ourselves uh, as to what was going to come in the second half? You made this call and you said maybe 4 3 3, James in at 10, who can break lines, bring Kelly on and get Hemp wide, crosses into the box for Russo. Uh, that's what you would do. Carter off. Uh, you got most of that right. Chloe Kelly and Lauren James came on for Alessia Russo and Rachel Daly. We all wrote bold in our halftime chat because it was, it needed a bold change. Did it, Jade? Uh, one of our listeners, Don, uh, asking whether Wiegmann panicked with those half-time subs. For me, I think the bold decisions paid off today. Obviously, the game was lost in the first half, in my opinion. So, you know, and luckily for that that decision-making for her, but she made it at the right time. And I think that impacted the game um, positively moving forward into that second half. 
I think also with the changes, I was a little bit surprised because I think Rachel Daly actually had a great first half against Anya Badier. I think her 1v1 defending, she didn't get past her once. So I was a little bit surprised with her coming off. I think that, in, in my opinion, was the wrong call. I would have maybe taken maybe Jess Carter off and left Daly on. And also I would have kept Russo on through the middle. I think James... Play, playing her out wide, you're you're almost hoping she gets on the ball. Whereas if she's in the middle of the park, she can affect the game a lot more. And we know that she's good in those tight areas. You know that she can drive at defenders. She's good at finishing. You know, she can commit and break lines. And I feel like she didn't actually get on the ball as much as we were hoping she would because she was out wide. And obviously Spain dealt with that quite well. So I agree with the 4-3-3 change. I think we looked a lot more of a threat I think Hemp, you know, had the beating of their backline pace-wise and looked a real threat. But then you want to have an out-and-out goal scorer in that box. And I think that's where we actually didn't in the second half. Hemp's, you know, she's a wide player. She's not a real number nine. Um, And I just would have loved to have seen James have more of an impact throughout the 45 minutes. Um, So, look, Serena, Serena, her stats don't lie. She's a phenomenal manager. You know, I'm I'm not a manager, but we can all have our opinions. But, yeah, that's what I would have maybe have done a bit different in the second half. Let's go into the second half then, shall we? And a penalty awarded for a handball on Kira Walsh. Jade, uh, would you have given this pen? There was a bit of debate about whether it was a clear denial of a goal-scoring chance or not. Yeah, when I watched it first, I thought, ooh, I don't think that is because it's too close. Her arm's by her side. Obviously, the Spanish player knows exactly what she's doing about, you know, we get taught in and around the box to lift the ball. You know, if any arms are frailing, that's where you're hoping that they're going to touch contact. You know, that's the dark arts of football that happens. And these Spanish players are really good at that. So when I originally first saw it, I thought, no, it's too close. But then there was a certain angle that was shown, especially to the ref, especially on the VAR, that it actually looks like her hand moves towards the ball. And I think as soon as that that frame was shown, it was a definite penalty. Yeah, absolutely. I I think when you watched it back, she almost moves her hand towards the ball. I don't know why it took so long. Um, And then, you know, you can say the way that Lucy Bronze handled the situation. Look, if you're playing, you would probably do the same. I'm not a massive fan on it, to be honest. But, you know, it worked. You know, she kind of was getting in Hermosa's face. She was saying things to her. She was around the penalty box. She was delaying the penalty kick even longer. Talking in Spanish, I presume, Tash. Yeah, and look, it worked. Mary Earps came up big and it, it maybe put Hermosa off. And uh, it wasn't a great penalty by Jenny Hermoso. Uh, did you speak Spanish when you were playing there, Jay? Did you uh, did you engage in a bit of the Spanish dark arts? Un poco. <laughs> I don't know what that means. A little bit? A little bit, yeah. I love it. The first thing that they all um, taught me was the swear words. So, yeah, you can only yeah. you can imagine what yeah. was being said, can't you, on the pitch today between them all. Oh, I love it. Well, well listen, um, Mary Earp save did it did appear to galvanize the team, right, Jade? I really felt like like momentum started to build after that. Mary Earps inspired the confidence and that belief, you know, which which has been missing in various games for England. We really saw that against Australia. We felt comfortable, we felt like you know, focused, laser sharp focused, and some of that felt like it was returning after that save. Yeah, definitely. Like we've spoken about small margins, um, momentum changes, and they're the differences that happen in games when You have a feeling that you're in this game and you're just waiting for moments to change and that momentum to shift. And that was definitely the key moment of that momentum change for this England team. Even the fact that we got 13 minutes at a time as well, they would have been still believing to that probably the last 30 seconds that, you know, it was still their time. They were still going to bring it back. 
And that penalty, if that penalty would have gone in at 2 0, I think it would have been a very different latter part of the game. So Mary Earps in that moment, phenomenal again, you know, unbelievable tournament. Yes, the world's best right now in that goalkeeper area. And she kept England in the game. Yeah, she certainly did. She did uh, walk away with the golden glove uh, as well, and rightly so, from this tournament. Let's talk about uh, another award winner, Salma Paluelo, best young player. Should she have been sent off in this game, though, Tash? It's a tough one, isn't it? She had a little kick away with the ball, didn't she? And I think the ref goes and then looks to see who actually it is and then changes her mind. Mm. She's already on a yellow by that point. She is already on a yellow, yeah. So she's a lucky girl. But I think if we're talking about the positives as well, what a player. 19 years old, has won an under-17 World Cup, an under-20s World Cup, and now a senior World Cup. I'm very excited to see her journey. I think she was probably actually the key reason why Spain won today, except for Bon Mati, because I think having her in the nine, stretching that England back line, if they'd maybe gone with Hermoso in the nine and started maybe with Patea, I don't think you would have had that threat and that worry but from the start all the way through to the end, she was running, she was working, she's always a goal threat at 19 years of age, by the way, at a World Cup. You know, she looked out of everyone, the most calmest in the tunnel, walking out, smiling, so relaxed. So, yeah, what a player. Mm, the Golden Ball, the player of the tournament, was awarded to Aitana Bonmati. Uh, there was a head injury for Alex Greenwood, just a big Terry Butcher-style bandage, no swimming cap, a la DVD, Daniela van der Donk. And um, Ella Toon was subbed off. Beth England uh, was on, 13 minutes of time added on. But uh, England couldn't do what they needed to do and equalise. I just wanted the game to go on forever and ever. I was just willing it to carry on. This might be a bit of a curmudgeon's view. Natasha, would you have wanted England to win the World Cup in this way after that performance just based on the first 90 if they'd have snuck a goal at the end or snuck a couple of goals at the end would you have wanted England to win the World Cup in that way yes <laughs> okay, that's, I think that's the most stupid question I've ever been asked in my life you know it's the World no, but Cup wouldn't you want the first no, World Cup no. the Lionesses to win <laughs> absolutely to be, not to be the result of beautiful football no <laughs> Look, it's a World Cup. I don't care if the ball comes off the back of my head or anything. You know, it's a World Cup. And in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years time, will people really remember how they won that game? You know, so no, <laughs> I just wanted them to win it. I'm getting trounced by the former pros here <laughs> and rightly so. Jade, where's your positive from England's performance in this game, particularly in the second half, May? But if, but if we analyse it, with some with some positive takeaways, what have you got for me? I think first and foremost, these two teams that went at it today was the best two teams in the tournament. I think we can probably, you know, all agree on that, that they was the best two teams. And the pace of the game, I thought, I don't know whether you guys noticed that, but I actually thought the pace of the game was brilliant. It was fast paced. It was fascinating to watch. It was two teams tactically going at it which we've probably not seen previously in these type of um, World Cup finals. It's always been like the best team has always gone on to win and trounce teams. Um, whereas this could have gone either way. At any moment, you know, if Lauren Hemp's goal snuck in, doesn't hit the crossbar, would that have been the moment that would have pushed England on? I thought England was going to win this game quite comfortably today. As Spanish teams turned out and, and delivered something that we didn't think this team was capable of. So from a Spanish perspective, I think, you know, the future is really bright. 
it's really good for that Spanish league because that Spanish league does need um, a good backing and a good push because it's not where it needs to be, in my opinion. But for English football, you know, another major tournament success, all the girls and boys that now obviously recognise women's football as a true sport, a, a professional sport and something that everyone wants to be a part of. Uh, you know, we was begging people to host our uh, European Championship in their stadiums. That's not going to be the case now moving forward. And I think that is the positive part. Wherever we go now, it's only going to be up. Mm. Based on England's performance today, obviously Jade's uh, extended it a little bit. Just based on what we saw in the pitch today, uh, Natasha, where are your thoughts at with England? That we're going to be a team that's going to be competing for trophies for for the next tournaments heading forward for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And I think the depth and squad that we've got and also players that didn't even make the squad for this World Cup, I think it's really exciting times for England. Yeah, we were without Beth Mead, Leah Williamson and Frank Herbie, all key players for England in their own rights. Uh, should we check in with Spain then and find out how the celebrations are going? Uh, I'll ask Bea Redondo to put her sangria down for a minute. <laughs> Bea, congratulations to Spain. How are you feeling? Thank you very much. I am very excited. I also find it very hard to believe because it was a hectic match until the end. I thought it was going to go the Euros way, I'll be honest, towards the end. So it was really, really intense. And I am now, I think I feel a little drained now, like too intense throughout the match. And now I'm like, okay, we're there. I can't believe it. You do get to say, of course, that Spain are World Cup winners. There's a new name, a name that's never been there before on the trophy and Spain carry that accolade. What are you hearing out of Spain on this? Who's talking about it? What are they saying? I think the main story uh, over here in Spain is how hard it is to believe that it has come this year, because obviously this has been a very, very intense year. Uh, We were missing some of our key players and we went into the World Cup, I think, feeling that all of the history from what had happened during the last year was obviously going to divide the squad, was going to make it harder to push for a common goal. And then I think we were all very surprised to see, you know, the resolve and and kind of um, how hard they pushed to get to that goal. So, I mean, I think that the main story there is, oh my God, I can't believe it. And I can't believe this has happened this year because we've been so close in the uh, judge stages for so long, but it felt like it was never going to come at a senior level. Yeah, look, 15 players protested against the manager and the setup, what the training involved um, as well. And only a few of them made it back for the tournament. I think that that's the scary thing going forward, Bea, is that you've won the World Cup with not even your best selection of players. Yeah, and um, I think the question moving forward is what's going to happen? Is is this it? Uh, or, you know, is there going to be move forward to bring those players back? I think there have been kind of improvements in the background to improve the conditions of the squad and and the um, trainings and so on but obviously the very obvious choices of not bringing in some of your best players uh, is there so I think that is a question that we'll have to look out for in the next few months. We've discussed where Spain got it right in this game, uh, very comfortable on the ball indeed, would not be bossed off it. Uh, we've mentioned them dominating the midfield, the central areas. What worked so well for you from Spain in this performance? So for me, it is a story of, of growth and maturity. Um, Spain have always 
dominated the ball really well, possessed the ball. But we've seen it. We saw it in the Euros against England. We saw it against the Netherlands and against Sweden. You know, those final minutes in the game, not being able to to hold strong, to have that confidence. Um, and this was actually the first match in which we didn't concede any goals, which was very impressive. So I think... We have been seeing Spain's quality on the ball for a very long time. What we hadn't been seeing is that ability to hold strong when things got complicated. And I think that's the growth that we've seen throughout this tournament, their ability to not go to extra time and against Sweden. And in this time, you know, be able to hold on to that one nil uh, up until the very end. I think that is the main thing for me. How do you feel the players are going to be feeling um, that have been left at home? Yeah, I think it is definitely a bittersweet feeling because obviously, I think if you decide to stay at home, you definitely are very confident in your decision to, you know, put your kind of values first. But then you see this happening and this has been a long time coming. It's not just a game. It's not just a tournament. It's something that they've contributed to also. So I think I've only seen Lola Gallardo, who is uh, Atletico de Madrid's goalkeeper, mention that she has been watching the World Cup. I think most of them don't really want to talk about it because it's definitely going to be a bittersweet feeling. And also that feeling of, you know, is this the end for me? Have they proven they can do it without me? The larger picture of what this might mean for, you know, women's football in Spain would make it, you know, that kind of sweet of the bittersweet side. But obviously being yeah. left at home is, is the hard part. But yeah, I was going to say, firstly, congratulations. I think you you deserve to win today. Um, me and Jade were talking earlier on the pod, and I think Spain's probably the only country I haven't played in, and Jade played over in the league for Atletico. So moving forward, do you see the federation now maybe putting more money into making this league stronger? Because no disrespect, it's Barcelona every year, and sometimes it gets a little bit boring. You know, Do you want to make it more competitive? Because you look at the English league now, which is probably the best in the world. You have five or six teams fighting for that title every year. What what do you think there? Yeah, I mean, I think the Spanish league is definitely not as competitive when it comes to who is going to win the title. I think it gets very competitive from that first stop back uh, down. I don't think it's necessarily... The problem with the Spanish league is that it is a battle between the clubs and the federation as to who supports what. So in this decision that Barcelona made to support their women's team, you know, there's no money from the federation going into that necessarily. And so it's a matter of are the rest of the clubs going to also consider an investment in the women's game to, to level up? Like I'm thinking Real Madrid. Real Madrid went in. They haven't made the investment we were expecting from them to be able to really compete against Barcelona. And it's a matter of proving that, you know, Barcelona has um, released kind of their financials and they've showed that the, the women's game is actually the women's team is the only one of the only few that is actually bringing money back in. So it's actually proven that in investing makes sense and then on the federation side honestly the only thing that I would ask is stop making it hard for everyone out there playing because really the federation should allow the league to run and not interfere and make it harder and kind of bring this battle between clubs and federation constantly up because it just diminishes the sport and the quality of the game that we do have. Just picking up on money just as a quick aside, and we, we, we've talked about the, the difference between the players who are there and the players who are not there. Only one set of players has a World Cup winner's medal, and that will offer sponsorship opportunities. The ramifications of being a World Cup winner in, in terms of financing and exposure, just limitless, really, uh, for those players who are in Australia. And every single member of the winning team of Spain gets 
well over two hundred thousand pounds each, which is yeah. a which is a life changing amount of money. Let's just return to the match uh, for a brief final reflection on that. Give me your player of the match, player of the World Cup final, Jade. Got to be Bon Matty, I think. Ratana Bon Matty, uh, who picked up player of the tournament, as you predicted, Tash. She wasn't the player of the match in this one, though, officially. Uh, <laughs> Tash, your player of this match? I think actually for today, I'd go for the left back, Carmona, who actually scored the goal. I think she was terrific in defence and then got the winner, uh, was the captain today. Uh, so a big performance from her from her today. Yep, you're right there. Olga Carmona picking up the official player of the match in this World Cup final. Bea, tell us a bit more about her. Yeah, I think Olga Carmona's story uh, during this World Cup has been really interesting. So she is a Real Madrid player. Uh, she's been very promising for a long time. She came in strong uh, during the first few matches, but she was one of the ones that was signaled by Bilda after the game against Japan. And so um, she was benched after that. Um, it was like, you know, one of those responsible for for the loss in the eyes of Bilda. And for her to come back after Oyane was, um, you know, got sanctioned and she couldn't start and to kind of grow into the game. She was also really, really strong in the last match and then so critical in the final. I would agree. I think she was player of the match too, for me at least. I think it was a, a terrific story. Yeah, at Sama Paraluelo, young player of the tournament as well. That's worth a mention, as is congratulations to Japan's Hinata Miyazawa. I think she's just 23. She's won the golden boot with five goals. Let me get a final thought from you, Bea, on Jorge Vilda, the Spain manager the players did not want. What happens to him? Yeah, I don't know. I've read many funny things like, you know, he's he's done it, he's won it. He can now go and coach the men. Um, you know, there are people that are very funny on, on Twitter sometimes. But um, I think the one thing that Builder hasn't done is screw it up, which is great to see. I, As I said, I think Spain's had its identity for a very long time. We know how Spain plays football. And over the years, I think it's been a matter of going into this World Cup, being able to actually close those games uh, that has been critical. I don't think he's had a master plan. He's made master movement. I will give him credit for using Salma as a super sub in those last two games where she came in and scored. I think that was a very good move. I actually thought Salma was better as a super sub than um, as a starter because I think she comes in with that speed when other teams are are tired. So I will give him credit for that. But I think this team is so talented that I wonder what they could do with a coach that is actually really strong from a tactical perspective, changes mm. things around. I was seeing, you know, Serena was so bold in her changes in, in the um in the middle of the game. I was like, you know, is it gonna pay off or not? But it's it's exciting to see a coach say, I've got a plan. It might not work, but I'm going to change things up and I'm going to, you know, kind of alter our formation, go out with another tactical plan. It is a pity that we don't get that. And I'm hoping that, you know, we will not end up with Builder for like 28 years like we did with Kereda. I'm hoping that now that the standards are high, we actually hold people accountable. And if Spain goes and loses the next tournament, we start looking at the right people. Talking of bold, it would be a bold call to get rid of a World Cup winner, wouldn't it? Let's talk about participation in the game going forward. You know, England's benefited hugely from uh, the growth of the game plan. 
I was reading um, an account from Susie Rack in The Guardian today, and she was taking us all back to that moment in, I think it was 2017, when um, the game plan for growth, I, th- I think it was called, was released. And in there, hidden in the text, was the ambition to win the World Cup in 2023. At some foresight there, it didn't, didn't quite get over the line, but some foresight there from Sue Campbell of the FA. What does participation look like in Spain? What's it like at grassroots level? The number of girls in schools playing football? Give us a picture of that. Yeah, I mean, I think the growth that we've uh, experienced over the last few years is incredible. I remember, um, and I was with friends uh, last week, and, and we were talking about how we had to fight our school to get a girls team because there was none. And now it is, you know, a matter of just wanting to have one. I think it's very much leveled. And what we need to see is that step when little girls go into their teenage years, just retaining that talent, because I think it gets hard you know, when teenagers have to decide, do they want to be sporty and bulky or do they want to be the prototype of, you know, women that, you know, media and society puts out there. So I think that's the effort that we have to make and just provide that that jump between the infant playing and providing those teams for teenagers, those competitive second division leagues um, and stuff like that so that there is not such a huge jump and such a huge difficulty for girls that stand out to actually make it to that elite level. Well, look, that's fascinating. Congratulations again to Spain, World Cup winners. I can just see Natasha Dowie below me on the screen, just grimacing uh, a bit there. It does hurt, of course, if you're an England fan, but fair play to Spain, who did play the better game today. And there's so much of the script still to write about this Spanish team. Uh, I'm sure we'll all agree on that. Uh, Bea Redondo, Spanish journalist, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. Well, thanks to Bia, that's Spanish journalist Bia Redondo there. We've talked about the Spanish legacy, haven't we? Uh, Let's talk about England and how far this England team have come and the legacy of this history-breaking first World Cup final for the Lionesses. Time to catch up with some players right at the start of it all. Kerry Davis and Karen Livermore-Farley, who played in England's first official World Cup in 1995. Hi, I'm Esme Morgan and you're listening to The Offside Rule with Sky Sports. Well, hi to Kerry and Karen. Thank you so much for joining us. Karen, let's talk about 1995. It was the first World Cup proper that the Lionesses qualified for. It was held in Sweden. England reached a quarterfinal, didn't they? Both of you were there. Tell us a little bit about it. Was anyone talking about it before you left? Uh, It wasn't on TV, was it? No. Either. No. Tell us a bit more about it. I think there was. I think we had ten minutes at the end of a um, of a match of the day one Saturday night when they showed a few highlights, and I do remember Gary Lineker making a few very um, questionable comments that I'm sure he wouldn't make these days. Our football finished, our game finished, our highlights, and he says, "Let's get back to the proper football now." Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And I think that was the um that was the the whole sort of narrative of of our game at the time. It was very much like oh bless them. Look, they've got to a World Cup. It was very um it was seen in that light. And uh you know, I've got distinct memories from that 
Uh, I think my most vivid memory is our overnight train carriage. You remember our overnight train from uh, Helsingborg to Karlstad? Uh, I think it was the day before we were going to meet either Nigeria or, or uh, Norway. And we had a eight-hour overnight train and we all slept in these like pull-down bunk beds that were just like a canvas sheet. And that's what we slept on in preparation for our game. There was There was nothing. And it was, I mean, we've come so far and for that, I am so thankful. But when you look back, I, w- I was looking through some photos the other day of one of my first England camps and I've got a photo of Hope Powell and Brenda Sempari and Marianne Spacey all sat on these camp beds in a, in a sports hall. That's what we slept on. That was our, that was our lives back then. So yeah, I mean, we played our games every other, every other day, I believe it was Kerry, wasn't it? We had a game, we had a day's rest, and that day's rest consisted literally of just not playing football. There was no there was no rehab, there was no there was no ice baths, there was no physios. We had one physio with us. It was literally just, okay, don't play football and then you play the next game. So yeah, I mean we have come on so far in this in this time. It's another world. It's another world. It was hard work and you used to have to graft for everything that you wanted and that you needed. I think when the FA took over, it was slightly better in terms of you got a decent kit, but it was big and it was the men's. And <laughs> probably the positive was that you had two two shirts, one you could keep, one you could swap. So it was little details like that. And I think FIFA gave us $50 each. <laughs> Um, wow. That was our little bonus. There was lots That's going on, bags. but I don't think I saw those fifty dollars, Kelly. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask oh. about that. I don't think I ever saw them. <laughs> yeah, we all got fifty dollars, so yeah, obviously you didn't. But there, there, there was in those days there was lots wrong about the women's game. We all took unpaid leave from our jobs. We all took the stick of everyone that we came in contact with, and we were so proud and I will never you know I'm 53 years old nearly and there is never a prouder moment in my life than when I stood on that pitch with that England shirt on and sang that national anthem and played for my country and I didn't care that I wasn't getting paid for it I didn't care that I wasn't all over the newspapers it was my personal achievement what do you think Karen, first of all, is the main difference with these lionesses now? If you're to pick out one main difference. Their opportunity that they have. The investment that has put into the game and has been put into the game over the past few years has made their their standing point of where they're starting from. Their starting point is so much greater than ours was. We were going from zero to competing on the, on the international level. These girls now are being invested in. They've got the time. They're being looked after. It's nutrition. And you know what I think the most, one of the most vital things is their mental health. And I know people go on about this a lot, but I think it's huge that they realize that you win a game in your mind before you've even started playing that game so that these girls are able to forget about things like work and that they've got to pay their mortgage, that they've got to feed their families and things like that. They can concentrate 100% on football and what they have done this this tournament is shown that when you put that investment in, you are going to get that return. And okay, we didn't win that gold today, 
but they have got to the World Cup final this year. We won the Euros last year. They've shown that you put that investment into the into the girls, in any girls, in any walk of life, not just the football. Give them the investment and don't ask us to go through doors. Leave those doors open so that we can just walk through them. It's proved that if you're given the tools, you can get better and better and you can compete at the ice level. And that's what England are doing now because it's mental as well. When we used to play against the Germans, I don't think we ever believed that we could beat them. When we played against Sweden, probably we never ever thought we could compete with them to a certain extent, but would we beat them? I'm, I'm not so sure. So I think they have the tools now. And the other thing I've noticed is how England keep the ball far, far better. And I think Serena has improved that because we used to chase the Germans. We used to chase the Swedish. <laughs> we did. And that's, that's how it was. So I can see that they've got the tools now and Serena is moving them on. The players are moving on. They've improved. And if we can just just improve another few percent, I think that would be a game changer for the women's game. Tash, your last England cap was in 2014. You were keen to make a return for the team, left out of the 2015 squad. There's a bit of unfinished business there, I know, for you. What is the main difference from the environment back in your day, not that long ago, really, uh, to the environment now? I think the big thing is, look, we've all had different journeys in our England career. And, you know, in my opinion, I think I should have had more caps for England. And I think the biggest thing is, is probably the leadership. I think under Serena, there's no politics, you know, and then she gives them that belief. You know, she picks the best players, she picks the players that are in form, you know, and unfortunately for us, and I was under a period, under a certain hope how that, you know, I was top goal scorer in the league. You know, I won player of the league for Liverpool and I didn't get picked. And I think if that was the case now, that wouldn't happen. You know, and because the media wasn't involved back then, that was allowed to happen. And unfortunately, a lot of people's England careers were cut short because of that. Um, So I would have loved to have played under someone like Serena who picks you because you've earned the right, but also then allows you to be you, you know, and, and, and to challenge her in the right way and to express yourself and to not be scared of actually having a personality. And unfortunately, um, I went through, I guess, the wrong era. But I also had 15 caps, which I'm so proud of. I would have loved more, but, you know, that's life. Uh, you also helped pave the way for England to get to where they're at now and maybe, you know, errors in leadership before, call it call it growth development, whatever you want to call it, it has got us to this place now. Jade, for you, of course, your uh, England career has been a lot more recent. You're at uh, both of the uh, last two World Cups before this one. What's changed, do you think, in, really in the short amount of years that, that, that you've been sort of fully out of the setup, I suppose? I think the biggest thing for me looking at this England team now from afar is how they're playing with this fearless mentality. They're playing free. They have freedom. Where does that come from? That has to come from leadership. It has to It has to come from the coach. It has to come from the people that are higher that are allowing those players to be themselves and express themselves and put them in formations that allow them to bring their strengths. You know, tactically, we've, we've spoke about England. Technically, we've spoken about England. You know, we've had players that probably if you put them in this team now would shine in the last 10 years. They're probably better players on paper, some of them that we've had previously. So I think right now, I've spoken a lot over the last couple of weeks about timing. Timing is so important in any, anyone's career, but especially in sport. 
you know, injuries come and go, the timings of evolution in football. And right now, this group of girls that's managing to relish in everything that's happened previously. And thank you to everyone that's been before us, because that was something that I said to the, the, the girls that left before me. I said, I will continue to thank you guys, because without without any of any of the people that would come before us, this wouldn't have been possible. There was no path there. So, you know, we've, me and Tasha, as I've already touched on, like we've that transitional piece. We, pe- we played football because we loved it. We didn't earn any money from it. And then we've come out the other side now and we're going, well, let's try and get as much money and as much um, accolades as we possibly can from a personal level to springboard our careers on post the pitch. And that's why we are here. We're doing what we're doing now. But I think for me, that fearless We've won the mental games that the um, that both of you have touched on about you know uh, nationalities that have always beat us up mentally previously before even stepping on the pitch. The biggest moment for that in my career was that 2015 um, bronze medal match against Germany. You know we took that bronze medal away from them and took it home, and that was that for me was that snowball effect of that happened that this this England team can go on and compete. And once we get it right, you know we will be a force to be reckoned with. But on the flip side of that comes pressure. And that's something that the, these England team and these England girls are going to have to deal with. There's a lot of limelight on them now. And it's going to change their life. Um, and sometimes not always for the better. Wow. Uh, we're going to finish on that point. It's something to mull over, isn't it? And a very good point to make. Thank you to both Kerry Davis. Thank you, Kerry. So fascinating to hear from you. And Karen Livermore-Farley as well. Karen, huge thanks to you. Both of you, of course, playing in England's first official World Cup appearance in 1995. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's an honour. Keep up to date with everything going on at the Women's World Cup in Australia by using the free Sky Sports app. You'll find news, interviews, live match coverage, analysis and much more. You don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Go to your app store, download it and away you go. And after the World Cup, it's the best app for WSL coverage and so much more, including F1, the Premier League, world-class boxing, international cricket and more. Remember, you don't have to be a Sky customer to use it. Just search for Sky Sports in your app store. Our thanks then to Kerry Davis and Karen Livermore-Farley. To wrap it all up, we must end on this. Of course, it's our Ones to Watch predictions game. Every single one of these 27 World Cup shows so far, we've been getting our predictions in in our Ones to Watch game with points for goals, saves, clean sheets and much more. And it's now time to announce the winner. Hotly contested all the way to the end. But I'm happy to announce the person taking away this trophy is... It's the producers. They take the title. (laughs) 30 points to the producers. Try playing this with two former lionesses. They're just competitive all the way through until the end. Uh, Congratulations to producer Sophie. Uh, also Doogie and Callum there uh, who were supporting her all the way. Not sure how many points they provided though, I have to say. Uh, I was close behind in second place. I've taken silver as well on 28 points. And in the biggest shock, Lindsay was blasted off last place by Mary Earp's save. So Lindsay finishes on 19 points. Uh, The pundits are last on 17 Natasha Dowie. Where are the tournament? Where are the points for that? 
nothing for that. Three points for a penalty save. That's what did it for Lindsay Hooper. Three points. Um, she'll be oh, running rings around Box robbed. Park at the moment. <laughs> oh my, I can't. I'm about to walk out of this room. <laughs> What a bad day for Natasha Dowie oh, and Jay Ball. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah, well done to everyone involved. Blame your stand-ins, ladies. That's what I'd do. Next on the block, Carla Ward, Carly Telford, etc. Jilly Flaherty. Um, anyway, congratulations uh, to everyone who is playing along with us as well. We hope you enjoyed it. And on that note, thanks very much to Helen Hardy, Bea Redondo, Lindsay Hooper, Tash Dowie. Thank you to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every moment. Thanks for having me. Jade Moore, thanks to you. Thank you for having me. What an incredible World Cup. We'll be back tomorrow for a big tournament review. This has been the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. Here's a little reminder before we go of the journey that England have been on. England are European champions. Some key players missing. Williamson, obviously Mead out. It's those first game nerves. England ended their goal drought from open play thanks to a long-range goal from Lauren James. She has everything. She really does. Four minutes in and the goals were already coming for England in the statement 6-1 win over China. Super special game. Wow. Kira Walsh went off on a stretcher. This could be a killer blow for England. Lauren James got a red card. She's very young. It was very, very foolish what she did. England survived a penalty shootout against Nigeria to make it to the quarterfinals. We made hard yakka of that. Goals from Lauren Hemp and Alessia Russo, though, seeing the Lionesses through to the semi-finals. Most importantly, we, we find a way and Serena's come up trumps again. England are into the World Cup final. History made for the Lionesses. It just wasn't meant to be for England and Spain have won the World Cup. Yeah, I thought this was the year, but the girls can be so proud of what they've achieved. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.